On The Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. Here's what's going on in the church these days. You ever feel like Christianity, um, specifically Christianity, is being kind of not, not attacked, but it just seems like it's a house of cards that's going to, it's just kind of shaking, that culture is constantly this, this constant wind that blows against the church, and it feels like it's going to drop. You know, scientific discoveries, oh yeah, this is the Bible, blah, 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 right? Well, today I want to explore a question. This will be a tough question for many. I'm going to put it up here. What if the Bible isn't the foundation of the Christian faith? I know you're like, whoa, pastor, is this part of that you know, progressive Christianity you were talking about? No, it's not. Hang on, because we're going to explore this. I want you to read it again. What if the Bible isn't the foundation of the Christian faith? What, what, if, what if this isn't why I believe what I believe? See, everybody's got religious doubts, and I've been talking about some of that in this, in this series. But so many people in our technologically advanced and our scientifically innovative world are simply after hearing things, they're simply moving to the middle. They're saying, I don't know. I don't know anybody can know. I'm unsure. I'm kind of undecided about what I feel about God and Jesus and, and faith and all the rest, right? And, and this is a thing that I've been bringing up, and if you've got the app, these are some fill-ins for you. Atheism, it, it's not appealing. And I, I went over atheism a few weeks back. It, it's really not appealing, but Christianity has lost its appeal. And I believe it's lost its appeal for a lot of unchristian reasons. I think we go out there talking about how Christianity is the good news, and yet we are, li- we, listen, we are living the bad news. They look at our lives and go, <laughs> if that's what you define as good news, I don't think so. Your addictions are no different than my addictions. Your, your issues mentally, emotionally, relationally, You call yourself a Christian, how come you get divorced like we get divorced? Apparently, this thing called good news hasn't done much for you. You guys catching on there? See, those are the unchristian reasons. So so many have lost their faith. And many will lose their faith to a God that never existed. I brought this up last week there, the gods of the New Testament, right? If you you didn't hear that message, I I hope you'll go and, and podcast it. But see... As apprentices, and and I want you to hear that word again, apprentices, I need you to listen carefully and not casually this morning. Because if you do, you're going to misunderstand me. So I need you to listen to me this morning. If the Bible is the foundation of our faith, then all I need to do is prove to you that the Bible is not dependable and then none of your faith is dependable. Your faith can't be dependable. So, So let me explain that. I'm a student of the Bible. I'm not a scholar. There are some people who can go deep on this, and I, and I listen to them, and I, and I take notes from them. I'm, I'm in my master's degree right now, listening to scholars of the Word, right? But I, I'm, a, I'm a serious student of the Word, a dedicated student. And I love digging into the historical and into the archaeological findings, right? And also some of the disputes that are all over the Old Testament, right? There's a lot of stuff. And here's the problem for me, is it causes a crisis in me. If, I, if I'm not growing in my faith, I hear somebody say, well, what about that? And I go, oh, what about that? 
listen to me. I've been doing this almost 50 years, 48 years. I've been reading this book. And there are times people go, what about that? And I go, oh. And they point to documents and they point to these things. Look at this, look at this, look at this, right? Questions come up. Well, where's the historical evidence of the biblical account? Well, that's one historical account, but where's the rest of it? Uh, oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And they go, ah. And, and my, my faith begins to quiver, right? People will ask me, how come, how come they put authors' names on books the authors didn't write? I go, oh, no. And then I dig in and I go, yes. I'm like, why would they do that? I can't get into all of it this morning, but I, I, I have to study it and understand. Oh, so they added this part to this book, even though this person didn't write this. And, see, and I'm like, what's that about, right? The Bible is the foundation of our faith. It is. But if the Bible is the foundation of our faith, then Christianity comes tumbling down when we hear that the walls of Jericho didn't. By, by the way, they did. They did come tumbling down. But listen to this. So there was this huge study. They went in, archaeological dig down into what's called a tell. It's just a huge mound of dirt. They go, there's this mound of dirt. You know, and they go, let's dig into the mound of dirt. And this is where Jericho used to be. So they dig into the mound of dirt and they go, oh, look at all the burnt clay. Look at all the burnt bricks. Look, and they go in layers, layers, layers. Look at this is a partial piece of a wall and it's been completely destroyed. And watch this. How come this section of Jericho is completely destroyed, but this section over here wasn't touched at all? And if you know the story of Jericho falling, there was a part of the wall that wasn't destroyed. I'll let you get into that story another time. But they find all this in this thing called a tell. Well, then 50 years later, somebody else comes in and goes, there's no burnt bricks. There's none of this. The walls of Jericho never fell. And they go, ha, 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 Does that happen to you? I, I hear these things, and my faith begins to quake. And so then I'm told, well, if the Bible is the foundation of your faith, and the whole Bible isn't true, then none of it is. I go, wait, 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 whoa, 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 stop. We need to stop here. And there are some contradictions, and I will tell you that. I'm going to get into some of them this morning a little bit. But I think Christians feel a pressure to defend the Bible in order to defend their faith. And that puts the Bible at the center of the debate, and I don't think that's where this belongs. I want to dig into that this morning. So if you're deconverting because of the Bible, please don't. Oh, you, can't, you can't believe in this stuff. And I said this in the last series. I'm going to put it up here again. Christianity doesn't exist because of the Bible. It's the other way around. I don't know if you remember when I was talking about unlocking the Bible. The Bible is the result of Christianity. Christianity is not the result of the Bible. Listen to me again. I went over this in the last series called Unlocking the Bible. If you missed any of it, I encourage you to get it. Christianity was not born because the Bible was written. The Bible was put together because of something that happened. I'm going to get into some of that today. Open your Bibles, would you please? Come on with me. You got your Bibles. Matthew, Mark, Luke, third of the good news books. If you don't have a Bible, grab the one in your seat back. I want you to get this because I want you to see it for yourself. It's on page 65. Go for it, right? Out of the chair back, just poop. There we go. Page 65. Check it out. This is Luke. I'm going to go into Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. Man, Luke did an amazing job, right? Huge detective work here, right? L listen to what he says. Luke chapter 3, starting in verse 1. I'm just going to read verses 1 and 2. 
It was the 50th year of the reign of Tiberius, the Roman emperor, and Pontius Pilate, he's governor over Judea, and Herod Antipas, he's ruler over Galilee, and his brother Philip, he's ruler over Artura and Trachonitis, and Licinius, he's ruler over Abilene, and Annas and Caiaphas, they're the high priests, and he goes, now listen, I'll tell you what, here's what Luke is setting up right here, because I want you to see it. Luke is setting something up right here. He says, hey, go ahead, fact check me. I'm going to give you the context. I'm going to tell you when and where this happened. I'm going to tell you who was in lead, who is, who, what was happening culturally. He lays it all out. He pins all the events of what he's about to lay out. He writes about a specific historical context. And I'll tell you what, that is really risky if you're about to tell some lies. So-and-so is with me. Oh, then I can go talk to so-and-so, right? Listen, if this really happened, hey, listen, I want to tell you. Here's the Roman emperor. Here's Pontius Pilate. Here's Herod Antipas. He's, he's naming names. He's saying, here's what went down. In fact, I, I, put, this, I put this actually in your uh, app this morning. There is a, a, a terrific author, a guy named Frank Turek. Uh, if you're interested in digging into some of this stuff, he, he wrote a great book called Stealing from God. And specifically in chapter 7, this guy just nails it, how we're pulling things out of the Bible and going, oh, well, how about this? And we, we misapply, etc. It's, it's really a terrific book. Uh, he also, in the app this morning, uh, on Right Now Media, some great resources. You've got time. I know you waste your time on YouTube. Why not invest some time with Right Now Media? Free, free downloads at Right Now Media, by the way. So, Okay. Well, here's the thing, is that these documentaries, right? I've been talking about these documentaries. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? These documentaries, along with the letters that are written by Paul, written by Peter, written by James, they're all copied, these letters are all copied and then distributed for everybody to see, right? Everybody can look at them. But here's a question, and I'm asking you this question, and I've got this for a fill-in for you. Why do we make copies? Think about it. Why do you make a copy of something? Here's why. To preserve important things. And I don't know what that important thing is. Could be mom's recipe for apple rhubarb. I don't know. Could be great grandpa's sale of a horse. I have this document. Look, I got this. This is my grandfather's birth certificate. My great great grandmother's death certificate. See, we, we make copies of things because they're important to us and we want to make sure that we don't forget and we preserve these things. Here, here's the thing. The, the minor variations that are found here and there, and they are there. Did you just hear me? The variations that are found, the minor variations that are found, are of no consequence. And nobody's hiding those differences. If you look down at the bottom, you'll see a little footnote down here that says, hey, by the way, this verse doesn't appear in this manuscript. In the earliest Greek manuscript, this verse over here didn't appear right here. In fact, they used this word in this manuscript, but this word. And it's minor consequence, really small stuff. Nowhere, in fact, nowhere in any of the early manuscripts do you read, Jesus fell off a ladder and died. You see, it's, it's not like that. It's where one author says, and there were three of these Right, We read about the donkeys going in, Jesus going in triumphantly into the city, and it says there was a donkey and its colt, and another one says, and he grabbed the donkey. Well, was there a donkey and a colt or just a donkey? You see what I mean? That's what people want to focus on. Well, was there two or was there one? 
So somebody didn't mention the other donkey. Who cares? Do, do, you, under, do you understand? The differences that, are, that people are going, <laughs> it really doesn't matter. One or two donkeys, it's, okay, because I want you to know, the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they have different accounts of the same event. It's just, watch this, it's from the angle I'm looking at it and how I'm going to tell the story versus the angle you're looking at it and the way you're going to tell the story. But it's the same story. And so one says two and the other one says one. He just didn't specify that there were two. He just, and so he grabbed a donkey and he rode into the town. And that's okay. See, that's the, people want to freak out about this stuff. And I'm like, it's not worth freaking out about. But I want you to know, first time I heard it, I was like, oh, 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 oh. Is that reason for me to panic? Because I, I go, why, why are they inconsistent? I, does, I, am I the only one that that happens to? I, I find these things in the Bible and I'm like, uh, I don't know. But watch this. I'm growing my faith out of kindergarten Christianity. And I'm going, why, why is there separate accounts for that? I, I want to understand that. The New Testament record of Jesus He's revealing his place in the world as the living word of God. That's what the New Testament does. And we receive the Old Testament scriptures as the written word of God because he did. There are things I see in the Old Testament, I'm like, I don't get it. How come it says this here, but this here? There were 4,000 people, there were 8,000 people. That's a, that's a lot of difference, right? But does, does it make a does it make a difference like that? Yeah, yeah, it does, but I go, not to the message. And I want you to know that people are making copies of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because they believe they were inspired. They made copies of Paul's letters because they knew they were fact-checked and they knew them to be true. And so the church gains this extraordinary and unexplainable influence under the Roman emperor, a guy named Constantine. He's reigning and this Roman emperor comes in. In fact, his mother Helena is a Christian. The Roman emperor's mother is a Christian while Christianity is still illegal and they're burning him in the Colosseum. The mother, the, the mother of the emperor is a Christian. And she starts influencing her son. And Constantine lifts the religious uh, the restrictions and he embraces Christianity and he unifies the entire Roman Empire. And you're thinking, what's the point? Here's my point. Christianity had made some of its greatest strides, some of its greatest movements. Christianity moved ahead further 282 years before this book even existed. Christianity was exploding, and this was never, this wasn't around. That's what I mean by this is a result of Christianity. Christianity is not a result of this. Christianity wasn't born on the back of the Bible says. In fact, the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament, wasn't combined with these first century letters, Paul and Mark. They weren't combined for, another, for 350 years after the birth of Jesus. Christianity had taken off. The combination of history and poetry and prophecy and all these letters, it wasn't put together and called the Bible for another 30 more years. So, I want to get us off of this, and I'll get, I'm coming back here in a minute. But I want you to understand this. Here's my point. Before we ever had the Bible, Christianity had already replaced the pantheon of Greek gods, of Roman gods, 
of the Egyptian gods, of the Babylonian gods. Christianity had already said, nope. Long before this book ever existed. And, and watch this. Christianity was established as the religion of the Roman Empire for the good and the bad. I will tell you that. It wasn't all good. Here's notes for you. The early 1st, 2nd, 3rd century Christians, those people in the first 300 years before the Bible was written, they're being persecuted, they're being put to death, and they believe that Jesus loved them before the Bible tells them so. Do you hear me? I want you to understand that. Matthew and Peter and Mark and John and Luke and Paul They didn't choose to follow Jesus because they had some infallible record of the Old Testament or or a non-contradicting New Testament. They didn't have either. For Christianity's first 300 years, the debate, listen to me now, centered on an event, not on a book. Today, everybody wants this to be the debate. That's not what happened in the first 300 years. No one ever asked in those first 300 years, is the Bible true? Because there wasn't a Bible. You know what they were talking about? The, The question then was, did Jesus rise from the dead? That was the question. No one was asking, why does Isaiah say this and and 2 Chronicles say that? And what about the history here? And how come the Egyptians didn't do that? Nobody was talking about it because it wasn't all together yet. They were asking, did Jesus rise from the dead or did he not? And again, Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and Peter and Paul and James all said, "Uh uh-huh. Oh, yeah, we witnessed it. And if you read the record, it's beautiful. Lots of people saw it. And there's no other explanation for the explosive growth of the church. It wasn't because they made copies of the Bible and everybody had copies of the Bible, so Christianity became really popular. No, the witnesses who said, "I I saw him, I talked to him. Now, please do not misunderstand me here. Listen to me. The Bible is defensible. The Bible is endurable. The Bible is persecutable. The Bible is fearless. The Bible is compelling. The Bible is dependable and compassionate. And Scripture authenticates itself. It goes, yeah, well, here's this, and this is how we prove it. And it goes back and forth, but I'm here to tell you. Jesus loves you. This you know. For John, who watched his friend die and later had breakfast with him on the beach, tells you so. Jesus loves you. This you know. For Luke painstakingly interviewed eyewitnesses to make sure it was so. Jesus loves you. This you know. For Paul, who converted from this self-righteous, Jesus-hating Pharisee, shared his life and risked his life to tell you so. Jesus loves you, this you know, because his original followers were martyred for believing it was so. I'll go to death. I will not take that back. I had a conversation with him. Cut off his head. I, I too had a conversation with him. Hang him upside down, crucify him, cut his body to pieces, and toss them to the sea just for not denying that they had a conversation with Jesus after he rose from the dead. This is what is the big conversation. 
Not, what about that? And how come this? Why didn't they say that? And if it says this, why didn't they say this over here? No, did Jesus rise from the dead or not? That's the question. The reason you and I should consider following Jesus isn't so much about this book. Although it tells me the story, his story, this tells me what did Jesus do? The eyewitness account. Again, Luke saying, hey, by the way, talk to this person, this person, this person, this person, this person. Paul, talk to this person, this person. Hey, listen, we, were all, we all saw it. We all had this conversation. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go to be executed. I will not deny it. And somebody along the line, it's called last man standing. Somebody, dead, 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 dead. They're all dead. I'm the last one. Surely I'm going to go, okay, it was a big joke. We, we were just making it up. See, because nobody's going to think bad of me now. Because I'm the only one. Nobody can go, dude, you gave in. Every single, every last one of them said, I cannot take back the fact I saw him. I had a conversation with him. I watched him, listen to this record. I watched him go. Did that just happen? You can kill me, I won't take back what I saw. You go ahead and do it. The Christ of our faith is the Jesus of history. Jesus lived. And it's not so much about this book. And again, yes, it tells his story, but it's talking about this man who walked the literal dusty roads of Palestine. He was there. The reason that we're following him today has everything to do with who he claimed to be who he said he was, and the fact that he punctuates his claim by predicting his own death and resurrection. He goes, hey, I'm going to show it to you guys. Ready? Yes, the son of man. That, that's me. Whoa, dude, did you just say that? Oh, yeah. Three days. Give it three days. They forgot by day two. <laughs> it's all over. Day three, just like I said. He did it. Fortunately for us, the people who were the eyewitnesses of those events, they documented them. And I want you to listen carefully because I'm putting up here on notes. They didn't make the documentaries about stuff that they believed. They made documentaries about stuff they saw. That's why I like to call these books Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I like to call them documentaries because they're going, this is what happened. It's not a story. No, I'm telling you, I saw this, he said this, you can check with this person because he was standing there too, he heard the same thing. They make these documentaries because of what they saw. And the Bible, the Bible didn't disrupt the empire. It wasn't the Bible. Our world didn't become unsettled because of the Bible. See, over the years, they're burning Bibles. But you can't burn the fact that John said, I had, dinner, I had dinner with him. I had lunch with him. He met me on the beach. He had a conversation with Peter. I was there. I heard it. I, I, you can burn all the Bibles you want. It is defensible. There is intellectual beauty within this book, historical beauty within the book. But it's not about the book. Did Jesus rise from the dead or not? Jesus loves us. This we know because he died for our sins to tell us so. I want to show you how I love you. Note, not once to anyone 
Not once, starting right here, not once did Jesus say those three words. I love you, not once. Not to his mother, not to his disciples, not to his father, to no one. We don't have any record of him using those words. But at the cross he showed us. That's why we know Jesus loves us. Christianity isn't about the sacrifice we make. It's about the sacrifice that we trust. Christianity isn't about the victory that we gained. It's about the victory that we inherited. That's what we're doing. So, you got your Bibles. Come with me, would you please? Just open this up. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Moving right toward the end of one of Paul's letters he wrote to a church in a place called Corinth. If you got that book in front of you, it's on page 205. Come with me, would you? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he's saying, hey man, I want you to know Jesus, he, he raised from the dead on the third day, right? Verse 4, he was seen by Peter, by the 12, in verse 5. And verse 6, he's seen by more than 500 of his followers. See, Paul's going, hey, listen, I've had these interviews. You can go talk to these people, right? At one time he saw, and a lot of them are still alive. Go see them. Go talk to them. These people talked with Jesus. But then I want you to see something down in verse 13 and 14. Look at this. Here's what Paul says. If there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ hasn't been raised either. Here we go. Verse 14. And if Christ hasn't been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless too. Listen to me, beloved. This is not the debate. We could talk about books all day long. One person's position, one person's view of things. I can do that. Did Jesus rise from the dead or not? And here are the eyewitnesses who said, I saw it. I, I talked with them. Here's what happened. And you could talk to all these people, 500 at one time. I'm like, what? Beloved, we got to go here. 